passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus this is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Let's not keep our guests waiting. The Washington Post calling this one of our favorites, Barry Sperluger from L.A. Barry, good afternoon, man. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, Danny. Appreciate it. Yeah, always a pleasure. Uh, it's, you know, as usual, you wrote a great piece, very thoughtful, uh, about this swirling Juan Soto situation. I spent the first hour doing this, and I want your opinion on it. I, I couldn't help but think of the following last night, and really all day yesterday as, as we're sort of reacting to the news. It seems like Juan Soto got put in an awkward spot, and, and that may have been avoidable. I, I kind of couldn't escape that, and of course he rose above it. Of course he handled everything with grace and class, you know, befitting someone that's way older and, and you know, he's wise beyond his years. He did better than I certainly would have done in that spot. Just really, really impressive what he overcame, but it feels like we didn't have to be in that spot exactly. I would love your thoughts on that. Well, I don't think you're wrong on the timing, um, but I do think that, and, you know, Ken Rosenthal broke, the story on Saturday that that Soto had turned down a 15-year, $440 million offer from the Nats. And, and from the Nationals' perspective, um, and all respect to Kenny for, for doing that, he's, he's one of the great newsbreakers in the sport of baseball. Um, if they're at all going to explore a trade, and that exploring a trade does not mean executing a trade, um, but if they're going to explore it, they have to let people know that he turned down a historic offer. There, there's no way to have trade rumors pop up um, and not be able to counter that with like, well, the reason that we're doing this is because we offered him a sum that is more than any player in history has ever agreed to. Um, and he turned it down. And so he backed us into a corner. We can argue about average annual value. We can argue about having, 
three postseasons um, to play for a potentially new team and what that might mean in, in the return you get. But th- they had to have that message out there. Now, if you get to the timing, um, perhaps that wasn't thought through as much because um, the Nationals certainly went from an afterthought at this event at this point last week to the complete center of the baseball universe, not just because they're precocious 23-year-old you know, generational hitter um, won the home run derby and, and is, uh, you know, being forced to talk about um, his position with the organization, what he sees for his future. Um, but it, the club as a whole, like, where are they? They have the worst best record in baseball. And what do they knew, need to do to revamp? So um, it was kind of a zero to 120 situation over the weekend where it was like, okay, the Nats have one all-star and they're a terrible team and they have to rebuild to like, holy cow, they have a generational hitter who they might be trying to unload and he's going to be on that stage as the biggest story. That that part of the timing part, maybe maybe that's what feels unnecessary. So, Barry, I want your thoughts on this as well. I think if this was just this case, right, the, the, the kind of counterexample I used was the Yankees. They might lose Aaron Judge this year. And, of course, some Yankee fans will be ticked off about that, not sort of speaking to the irrational ones, but you know as a Yankee fan, you'll be fine. You'll buy somebody else or another prospect will come up and the Yankees will win a bunch of games. The context here with this organization, with the Nationals, is it was Harper, then it was Rendon, and then it was Turner, and now it's going to be Soto. Each one was saved on to pay the next, and then if you end up with none of them, that's a tough pill to swallow. This one individually, it's not crazy to not want to pay a guy $500 million or whatever the heck it's going to take. But because of the context, that's why people are upset. And, and I'm having a tough time wrestling with that, Danny, to be honest with you, is in that, you know, if you know the in-the-weed stuff on, on each one of those guys that you mentioned, on, on Bryce and on Rendon and, and on Trey and even on, on Scherzer, um, you understand the individual circumstances. I think it's a little bit harder to understand on Turner um, because he did have a year and a half rather than just half a year left when they dealt him. But the reality is you don't get both Kavit Ruiz and Josiah Gray back in return unless you give up both those guys last year. Um, but you're completely right about the totality of it, that from 30,000 feet, it, this suddenly feels like you're the Oakland A's and you can't afford to keep any, any of your homegrown guys. And at, at some point, you run out of homegrown guys. And, and I'm sure you guys have talked about, and I've certainly written about, um, you know, the fact that their last several drafts have, have not um, been super fruitful so far. Um, that has to change. They have to develop. I mean, that's part of whether they keep Juan Soto or not, you have to develop controllable, cheap assets around him to have a roster that fits together both on the field and, and financially. So, um, is it as simple as, oh, the learners are cheap, they can't keep their homegrown stars? It's, it's not that simple because, you know, unfortunately, the one that they paid for is the one who can't pitch, and that's $245 million over seven years to Steven Strasburg. That, that counts as something because it's real money and a real commitment. It happens to, at this point, have been a disastrous use of real money and, and real commitment, um, but they did do it. So, it's, it's, to me, it's complicated and confusing because while you understand the individual circumstances, the totality of it makes it look like they just can't keep their own people. 
Barry Faluga with us here from the Washington Post. Uh, Barry, what was the scene like yesterday with Soto answering those questions, with Boris just kind of you know, lurking just past an arm's length away? It just seems surreal to me. Uh, we were watching in real time here as I was trying to, you know, one, one eye on the microphone doing the show and the other eye just sort of riveted to that press conference. I'd love for you to paint a picture for us. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were more people around Soto at the start of the availability, which, and just for the scene, it's like every single all star, every single National League all star is at a separate table, um, you know, in the outfield concourse at Dodger Stadium. And, you know, you can kind of drift around and cherry pick who you want to talk to. Well, a lot of people wanted to talk to Juan Soto to start the thing. Um, not, you know, other, other players don't have their agents at arm's length. And that was by design for Scott. Um, Juan had clearly been given talking points. Um, I'm a national. This is out of my hands. And that's fine. And, you know, he both stayed within the parameters of the talking points, but offered some honest assessments of that this is a difficult situation and that, you know, this is the only organization I've ever played for. And I'm a Nat until I'm not a Nat. And, um, you know, also, I mean, asked directly about is there something appealing about free agency in which 30 teams could bid on you rather than one? He was very frank about that. Yeah, why not? Why wouldn't I want that? We all want to see what the market would bear. So he's impressive at the plate. He's impressive behind a mic. He's, you have to remember, he's 23 and four or five years ago didn't speak English and now just rolls with questions in two different languages about delicate issues regarding his future and, and frankly, the overall economics of the sport. Um, he did it really adeptly. Yesterday, um, I would expect him to do that going forward. Um, it's part of the the complete package that um, that makes him so desirable. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Barry, the ownership angle on on all this. I've sort of thought, and you know, it looks like I'm, well, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I've seen a couple of reports now say that that a a trade in the, you know, before this August deadline is unlikely. But I always felt like this was an accelerant. This was kerosene on the fire here. Wanting a resolution in one way or the other, whether a new ownership group's going to know they've got Juan Soto or they know they've got a haul in place of Juan Soto. I, I so always sort of felt that had to happen sooner rather than later, and they want a resolution, and maybe that's kind of why this all came on very quickly. What are your thoughts there? Well, I, you know, since the ownership announcement or the, the pursuit of new ownership announcement came in April, that was a, a question. I wasn't sure about the answer to is, is the franchise more valuable with Juan Soto locked up for the future, or is it more valuable to a potential buyer if there's a lot of financial freedom and you can really just start from scratch? And and the answer seems to be, it depends on who you ask. Um, Some people might be like, Oh, thank goodness. You've got this generational player locked up and, and I'm happy with the price. If that's $29.3 million a year, which is what the learners have offered, or if it's, $40 $40 million a year or north of that, which is clearly what Boris and, and Soto are, are looking for. Um, it really depends on 
who's looking at it, what they think of their future payrolls will be, how it's explained to them that they could build a roster around that contract. Um, and that's why I think, Danny, the whole thing is, is um, kind of shrouded by a layer of uncertainty that isn't just about the Washington Nationals and the learners in July of 2022. It, it's why you, you could get to a situation where um, if they are not blown away by a prospect package over the next couple of weeks, um, you could say, well, this was the learner's best and final offer. But that doesn't mean it's the best and final offer of owner TBD. And, and it, you know, would that be uneasy and, and kind of unsettling for Juan Soto over the offseason, you know, not really knowing what his future would be? Sure, it could be. But he was also kind of frank and interesting in saying, and curious, really, in saying yesterday that, you know, we don't know who the new owner is going to be, and it would be cool to sit down with that person, whoever it is, and and have them articulate what their vision is for the future and how they're going to commit to winning and and, and getting a Soto-like character, the pieces around him that he would need to, to win another World Series. Like, that's not off the table. I, I just think – I honestly think, Danny, that any report today that says he's absolutely not going to be traded or he's absolutely going to be traded – is is not accurate Mm. um this is fluid uh and it has to be fluid because if if there's a package that mike rizzo could face his ownership face his new ownership and face the public and say this was a baseball rebuilt our baseball operation um i think he'd have to pull the trigger and ownership would have to pull the trigger Barry, what about the Boris element and all this? I I always argue. I mean, it's fans basically think this guy's you know a, a a Bond villain, like a mastermind behind the scene pulling the strings. And I think of it in a reverse way. If you employ Scott Boris, you're looking for certain things. He's the going to be the guy that is working for you to the ends that you guys you know sort of decide on together. And if you allow him to do it, he'll do this playbook, which usually involves guys going to free agency. But I'd love for you to speak to the to sort of the Boris role and all of this and how that either complicates or you know kind of moves the conversation along. Well, I mean it's you don't hire Scott Boris to to get an extension done with your existing club. I mean you can do that. Steven Strasburg did it and and Boris everybody has to remember that while this always seems that the player works for Scott Boris. It's the absolute opposite of that, that Scott Boris works for. So if Juan Soto said, look, I want comfort and security like Ryan Zimmerman had comfort and security with the only franchise he ever played for, and I see value in that, then it's Scott Boris's duty to execute a deal to the best of his ability with, with, the, with the franchise. But I, I also think there are players, and, and you know, Max Scherzer – came to Washington, D.C. because he wanted to test free agency. He wanted to know what it felt like to have 30 teams bid on him and not just one. Um, he turned down a huge offer from the Detroit Tigers in, in spring training of 2014, and in that offseason he became a Washington National. Um, he didn't do that out of loyalty. He did that out of out of um, himself, his family, and his position in the game. Um, there are characters who want to do that. Bryce Harper wanted to do that. Um, Juan Soto may be one of those characters. And if you do, if you are one of those characters, there's not a better 
agent to employ than, than Scott Boris because he's going to get you the money. Paris Fluga with us here. Washington Post wrote a great piece about Juan Soto. Also did a great chat with Chelsea Janes uh, that I've been pouring through as well here uh, this morning and this afternoon. Um, what do you think is going to happen here over the next couple of weeks? Teams are probably going to get try to get their ducks in a row and make offers, and I'm sure that's going to influence a lot whether this gets done now, offseason, never, et cetera. But what are the next couple of weeks going to look like here before the trade deadline, Barry? Pin a picture. Well, it'll be really interesting to see um, – you know, what we hear about what offers might be out there and, and, and how many players and what the talent level of those players would be, um, you know, that they would get in return. I, I, there's part of me that thinks that the idea of giving up two years and two months of Juan Soto would set a price so high in the minds of the Nationals that it's almost unreachable. And, and in some ways that's understandable because you, you – you'd have to be able to justify it to your fan base that, look, here is our new and pick positions here. Here's our center fielder for the next six years. Here's our second baseman for the next six years. Here's our number two starter for the next six years. You'd you'd be pinning so many hopes on all of those characters that it almost becomes hard to justify and and not to, you know, dismiss the idea that um, there's emotions involved here, Mm -hmm. here too. I mean, this guy's a, a homegrown postseason hero who is a, the last attachment to your most recent glory days and a, perhaps an extension to the next glory days, that's hard to quit on. Um, so, I, you know, can I predict exactly how the next couple of weeks will go? No, I can't. Um, I do think there will be serious discussions with several clubs and, and, it's not going to be 29 teams. There are not 29 teams that are in position either in the standings financially or with the prospect capital to be involved here. So say there's at most between six and 10, what are those discussions like? What are they really offering? Who are the players involved? I don't know how much we'll know about all of that um, as it happens, but your, your ear has to be to the ground every single day because this is, in some ways, it's just getting started, um, which is a crazy thing to think about because it's it's yeah. kind of swallowed us whole over the last couple of days. Yeah, Barry, last one here before I let you jump to enjoy All-Star festivities. Um, and this is really tough to paint with a broad brush. But how do you think fans here, this is still such a relatively new fan base. So I always kind of forget that, as you correctly mentioned here is you know we're not even 20 years old yet we haven't really gone through that many ups and downs and rebuilds and restarts and we're not used to the rhythms of looking at double a box scores to find out who's going to be here in a couple of seasons we're kind of going through that now after some really really great success over about a decade how do you think the fan base will react if Juan Soto is traded well I, I think for a lot of fans it would be to your earlier point about why can't it, it does Fairly or fair, unfairly, it fits into the tableau of Bryce and Rendon and, and Turner questions about why are, why are those guys not around? You just kind of tack that on. For some people, it'd be emotionally hard to get back, uh, you know, to, to fight off those feelings. I think there would be other people who would say, look, this is part of the process, a necessary and painful part of the process if we want to rebuild. And we just, instead of addressing who our right fielder is going to be going forward, we addressed who – say five positions are going to be going mm-hmm. forward. So I think you're going to, you'd have a varied response. Um, but I also think, you know, 
there would be such an eye and such pressure on whoever those prospects are, whoever that package is, to kind of add up to be more than what Juan Soto was, um, that, that the discussion wouldn't end the day the trade was made. It would have to extend years into the future. Um, this, this situation suddenly kind of hangs over the entire franchise, um, just as the ownership situation does. And I just don't see a kind of bow on it anytime soon. Very terrific with us, as always. Great column, great work. Enjoy tonight, man. Thanks, Danny. I appreciate it.